God bless you. God bless you, friend. God bless you, friend. Come on, anybody just excited for a word? Anybody need to hear? You need to hear from God. I believe, I believe God has something to drop on us today. I'm excited. Let me start with this quote. I wonder how much of what weighs us down is not ours to carry. Thank you for coming. Okay, nobody left. I'll give you one more. In order to love who you are, in order to love who you are, you can't hate the experiences that shaped you. Amen. Nobody's leaving, so I'll preach the rest of this then. All right. So I was, um, I was thinking this past week, and I was just kind of having my time with God as I walked to the train station. That's kind of my time. And um, I was thinking about ministry and thinking about everything that we're going to. And I, was, and I got this picture of a buffet. How many of you are familiar with the buffet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. And, and you know... Um, the buffet is all about the take, amen? I don't know if women feel this way, but men, we have a thing with the buffet. It's two twice for food, once for dessert. Unless we're feeling really, you know, ambitious. And you know, the first time you go, you grab, you sample, right? The first time you fill, you, you do a balance of like everything that you can put on that plate. But this is just a sample. This doesn't even count. This is just to see what's good in this place. Then the second plate that you go, that's not to be wasted. That, the second plate, you get in what you knew. The chicken was no good, so you stay away from the chicken on the second plate. But you know the potatoes were slamming, oh, this was good. So the second plate is, you're going to eat that whole thing. The first plate was, was just a lot of sample. It was a lot of waste. There's a lot of waste at a buffet. The, the third one, they don't even talk about that. You just grab every dessert you're gonna, just so you can have a sample. I don't even like jello, but you put three jellos on there. Every color. Because what if I feel like having the jello by the time I sit down? Right? And the buffet, it doesn't matter because, you know, the waiters come and they clear your plates and you get a fresh start. And it's just a lot of waste. I don't know about you, maybe I'm just selfish, but I never once thought in my mind, man, there's all these people that have to be here to cook all of this food. Like, I never thought about that once. It's just, I take whatever I want because I'm here for the take. Amen? And the buffet is all about the take. Unfortunately, many people see the church that way. They'll come and they'll see and they'll check out a church and they'll say, let's see what this church has for me. And they'll take, and they'll take from the worship team, and they'll take from the ministry team, and they'll take from the pastors, they'll take from the preachers. Sometimes they'll take things they won't even use. Sometimes I ask myself, I say, why do those people keep coming to church? They don't, they don't eat anything. They just take. But they don't use it. They just take from it. And it doesn't matter 
know what? Whatever I don't take, it'll, it'll get thrown out or it'll get cleaned up. Even And so we'll take, even if we're not going to use it, the, the church as a buffet. And I was thinking about this picture. This is as I'm walking to the train station. I'm thinking about this picture, the church as a buffet. It sounds like a beautiful picture because you can say, well, the, it, there's something for everybody. Right? It's a beautiful picture, the church as a buffet. There's something for everybody. If you like Spanish, if you like English, you like Italian, if you like just junk, if you like, you know, whatever. But I got a better picture, and I, and I think God was showing me a better picture. The church is, is not a buffet for you to come and take and be served. The church is more like a potluck. Listen, where you bring your one special dish, you bring that one thing you're good at. And you set it down next to me and my thing. And you set it down next to her and her thing. And, and next to him and his thing. And we all invested in this thing. We can, and the more the church grows, the more is available for everybody. Because we each bring our... Isn't that a beautiful picture? It's not just to, to take, and, and but to give, and to serve, and to share. And so what you, what you do becomes a part of what we do, and it becomes a part of who we are. Amen. That's the church. It's not what I'm preaching about, but it's just a picture <laughs> that I wanted you to, sh to share. Because what it is, actually, is the end. It's the end result. So, you know, in the movies where you can see the end and now you got to go through sit through the whole movie to find out how we got there. That's the end. That should be the end of all preaching. It should be the end where the church is a potluck where you bring yours, I bring mine, and we all get to eat. Amen. It's a beautiful picture. So, Pastor G has been helping me um, continue in the series in the book of Romans. Man, we started this series called The Standard. A while back, uh, we started preaching through the book of Romans and we got kicked out the church. We had trees falling on it. We had so many things going on. So he's been helping me in the last couple of weeks. We've been battling with the Department of Buildings regarding our building. We have been locked out of our home building for eight weeks now. Can you believe that? This is our seventh week at the school. Seven weeks at the school. And, and we've had setbacks and we've had good news and, we, and it's always like, oh, this is going to happen. And, and you know, me, I, 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 I refuse to believe it from the beginning. I thought we'd be in the following week. I said, no, no, we're going to go in there Monday. We'll, we'll do this and we'll do this and we'll do that. And we'll be back next week. And, and then it didn't happen. And I was like, oh. you know, shut like, what do you mean? <coughs> that kind of killed my throat there. <laughs> the gasp. <laughs> But, but, you know, I just kept thinking, well, it'll happen this week. All right, so we'll do that. We'll do All right, fine, fine. That's what you're... We'll do this and we'll do this and it'll happen this week. 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 And, and we'll get our prayers answered this week. No, maybe this week we'll get our prayers answered. Maybe if the church fasts and, and we'll fast and, we'll, and then we'll have a hearing. And maybe at that hearing something will be decided. And, and maybe, maybe when we clear that violation something will happen. And, and, and it's been again and again and, and this past couple of weeks now. And then we had two funerals in the last two weeks. And hard-hitting funerals, thought-provoking, soul-searching funerals that rocked our families and shook our faith and stirred up questions and concern. And there's been anger and, and sadness and there's also been incredible peace and understanding, which has been beautiful as well. And we've gotten a picture of God's mercy through it all, but I have to be honest with you, it's been hard. 
It's been exhausting. It's been difficult, this process. I refuse to believe in the beginning we'll be here eight weeks later. And I, I've shared messages throughout this that I believe with all my heart. I preached the word titled Unshaken in the beginning. And I said, we're going to be unshaken through this. And I, I preached another message titled For My Good. Sometimes God will do things and everything is going to work together for my good. I followed that with a message titled The Good Fight. The good fight. What are we fighting about? It's the good fight. We need to just be about his kingdom. Forget. It's not about buildings. It's about the church. It's about people. And, and I stand on every word that God has given me and the words that I preach. I, it's not a buffet, so I've had to eat it. I couldn't just take it like some of you took it and you, you, you let the, the ushers clean it up after you left. I have to eat it, right? But, but, but sometimes we get weighed down by the pressure and what we carry and we can start to complain and we can start to get beat up by everything and not allow ourselves to grow through things. And the book of Romans, Paul says in chapter 5, we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and knowing that endurance produces character and character produces hope. And knowing that hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that he's given us. And then he tells us again, in case we didn't get enough in Romans 5, he tells us again in Romans 8. I consider that our present sufferings are not, how many know God will speak to you? When, when, when you tell God, I'm going to go through Romans, he says, good, because I'm going to speak to you every way, all the way through it. And it's going to apply to your life and it's going to be relevant. Some people tell me, I read the word and it doesn't, it's not relevant. Think about it. The word is alive. If you really read it, if you take some time, God will speak to your exact situation that you're in through something that was written. But anyway. He says in Romans 8, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. Paul has this perspective. Our present sufferings, the stuff that we're going through right now, doesn't compare with the glory that... In the, in the message, he says, that's, that's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. Wow. In 2 Corinthians, again, Paul hits us. He wrote about the same thing. He says, for our light and momentary troubles. This is a man that gets beat up for preaching. This is a man that gets locked up in jail for sharing the word of God. This is a man that gets shipwrecked, that God allows to be locked up in prison for three years, that God allows to be under house arrest, chained to prisoners. This is a man that, 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 that he's going whole hard for God and he's getting all these issues. And he says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now, I don't think Paul is making light of our struggles, making light of our situation. He knows what it is to go through things that don't make sense. He understands the, the things that you and I cry about and say, that's not fair, God. It's not fair what I'm going through right now. It's not fair. I didn't do anything wrong. It's not fair. 
Anybody ever had one of those? He understands. He knows what it's like to lose people. He knows what it's like when people leave you. He's been left alone. People backed out on him. He knows what it's like. So I don't think he's, he's making light of our suffering. I believe God is, is using Paul to help us put our process in perspective. How can he go through all these things and still have this attitude? Why doesn't he give up? Why doesn't he quit? Listen, in the last couple of weeks we've been struggling with these issues. And I'm sure it's not just us. You guys have had your own issues, right? We all have our own situations and our families and our, with our loved ones and our jobs. And, and we've been going through our own struggles. And, and, and sometimes those things cause us to lose hope and to worry or to even question God. Anybody? My wife and I, we've been talking and whenever this comes up, and it comes up a lot lately. She asked me a question and it's a question that we always struggle to answer. It's a question that makes you wrestle with your own feelings and emotions. It's, it's something that I really feel we should be dealing with and talking about at this point, right where we are. And so I've asked her to come today and share a little bit on that and present this question to you. Everybody's totally shocked. <laughs> Hi, guys. All right, so my husband wants me to give you a kind of a window to our conversations. So we tend to go to dinner, and, and those are the times where it's uninterrupted, right? There's no one at home calling, there's no one knocking at our door, no grandchildren coming to come play. You know, so we take that time, and those are the times where we'll just have conversations. We'll talk about our day, or usually it's me asking him questions. I read something in the Bible, and I'm frustrated. I'm like, I don't agree with this. Help me, you know, unwind this. Help me to figure this out. So those are the things that we talk about. But lately, obviously, because of what we've been going through, we've been talking a lot about the building, right? When are we getting in? What's going on? Why such delay? Why, why is this being such a difficult thing? Now, don't get me wrong. I actually love being in the school. I don't find it frustrating at all. I think there's such a sense of freedom here. I think for me, I don't know about you guys, but for me, there's such a sense of freedom and easiness about it. Sorry, Josh. He's putting chairs and mopping. But okay, but I did help today. <laughs> okay, now that isn't what frustrates me. Not being here. I love being here. What frustrates me is the feeling of being taken advantage of, right? The injustice. I'm like, they're playing us. They're playing us. They're, they're trying to not let us in. And I'm thinking, but God, I know you're bigger than this. I know you're going to let us in. So it's all that. And not that these things are wrong, right? These feelings in and of themselves are not wrong, right? We have to process our feelings. It's what manifests from those feelings that we have to be careful with, right? I can take those feelings and be like totally bitter and, and frustrated to the point where I'm not even going to church on Sunday. What's the point? We're never going to get back. It's, it's just, let's just, just quit now, right? So one of the things that I told my husband when we started this process, when we had the we had a stream from Abby's place that Sunday, driving home, I said, honey, let's try to please enjoy this process. And he was like, I'll try. <laughs> now, I know God's doing something big in this school. I, my heart is for kids, so I'm 
so pleased and blessed that I know that when we worship God here, and we're praising God here, that it's releasing things for these kids in the school, right? Instead, it's giving them freedom. When we can't touch them personally, it's setting them free, right? So I appreciate that. I love that. So it's going to be kind of bittersweet whenever we go back home, for me at least. And so the building, now I know that the building doesn't compare to the personal things that we go through, like George said. And going through the building situation does not take precedence over your personal issues. I know I've gone through personal issues in my life where it doesn't compare to this building. Things with your children, things with finances or illnesses and things like that. But I know it's a process. We know that everything that we go through is a process. Now, the question I kept asking my husband, I was like, George, how do you think we did on this process? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> I said, did we do well? Do we have it in perspective? I mean, we could get bitter, right? Did we be bitter? Were we hopeless? Did in our frustration, did we treat others unfairly? Did we not put our concerns above our concern? Did we put our concerns above others? Right? Did we walk through this child as we should have? And I looked at him across the table and I went, oh my God, George, I think we failed. We failed. <laughs> we failed. We failed. So then we started to talk about the people in the Bible. We're like, okay, how did they do it? And of course, we're reading Romans, right? So you're talking about Paul. And we know Paul was purposeful. He was focused. He was in jail, but he was writing letters, making sure that the people in the churches were going to stay focused, that they were going to run the race, that they were not going to be derailed by false teachings. They were focused. He, that was his focus in jail. I don't know, but if I'm in jail or I'm being beaten up, I don't think my focus would have been, let's write a letter to the churches. <laughs> you know? I definitely would have been maybe crying and whining and maybe hitting a couple of things or guards. <laughs> now, we, George also came up with the idea of the three Hebrew boys. And he's going to talk to you about the three Hebrew boys now. In, um, in, in, the, uh, in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, you guys know this story. If you've been to church four times, you've heard it preached twice. Um, it's King Nebuchadnezzar. He makes this, this huge gold statue. And, you know, he's up on himself. He's, he's pretty high and mighty. He makes this, this gold statue. And he says, and he calls a decree. And he has a dedication ceremony. And he calls all the judges and, and all the important people. He calls everybody out. And then he tells the nation, listen, when you hear the sound of the horn and the flute and the lyre. In other words, when you hear the music, you're going to fall down and worship this image. There's a whole other message there for the young people of today, but we're not going to go there. When you listen to this music, you're going to fall down and, and worship this thing. And if you don't worship this image, we're going to throw you in a burning furnace. So he was, the king was dead serious about this. And so as he commanded, the music played and everyone fell down and worshipped the image. The entire town and city and they all bowed down and they worshiped this image and of course except the three Hebrew boys but it looks like the king didn't see them but you know they're always going to be haters right so the bible says there were some astrologers and they came to the king and said hey uh, hey king did you notice there's some Jews here that didn't bow down 
They don't even respect you. They don't even worship you. They don't even worship your gods. And when you did that, everybody, they stay standing. And so the king was furious. And he, he called the, 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 the three boys and he said, listen, man, I, I heard something. I, it better not be true. When you hear the music again, you better bow down and worship. And if you don't, I'm going to throw you into the furnace. And the key thing that we want you to see right here in, in 316, these young Jewish boys say, Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, and Abednego, they replied to him, they said, King, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the burning, blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't. We want you to know your majesty. That we will not serve your gods. We will not worship the image of gold you have set up. Our God is able to deliver us from the fire. But even if he doesn't. So even if he doesn't. That just hit home for both of us that night. We were, it was like that aha moment. Like, okay, right, shake God. Shake, right? oh, sorry. <laughs> and I said, okay, we're ready. Right? That night we went home. We were like, we were encouraged. We encouraged ourselves. We were like, even if he does it, we're just going to do what God calls us to do. The very next morning, <laughs> George texts me. He said, guess what? What, George? He goes, they sent someone to put another citation on the building. I said, okay. I called. I said, what's going on? So he explains it to me. I said, that's it. That's it. I'm so done with this. Let's stage a sit-in. Let's call everyone. Stage a sit-in. Let's organize it. Let's call Bacato. Let's make sure that this is all blown up, all this crooked stuff in the DOB. I vented for a couple of minutes. And I heard my husband laugh, and he said, and even if he doesn't. And that changed my spirit. And I was like, it totally deflated that bravado in me, and it went, right? So I was like, all right, honey, I love you, hung up. I had to get to my next session, I'm in my car. And I said, okay, God, even if you don't, okay? So what did I have to do? I had to change my attitude. So what did I do? I just started to praise God. So God, I praise you for who you are. You're the most amazing God. It doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. I know that you're the Lord of everything. But as I'm saying these words, right, in my head is still the Michelle that wants to fight. It's still the Michelle that wants to take control of the situation and be like, I'm done with you people and I'm ready to blow you out of the water. But then that's when you learn to, you gotta keep pressing in, right? Because that mindset has to change. And the only way that mindset changes is if we continue to praise God. So did I feel it right away? Did I feel this, this thing of, oh God, yes, you're gonna do this? No, it took time of me praising God and giving Him glory and thanking Him for the things that I knew. And as I continue to just praise God, thank you, God, because you've gotten me through worse situations. Thank you for when you did this. Thank you for when you do that. Thank you for always supplying my every need. Thank you for always being there, even when I don't feel it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. And then, all of a sudden, my, my, my whole attitude changed, and my spirit changed, and it shifted. And I started, it's, it's, it's like 
kind of like this cloud is lifted from your brain and you can actually process and you can actually think clearer. And now things that you didn't think of before, you finally have an answer to. And I went, Michelle, you gotta pray in God's will. And I said, well, God's will, I know God's will is that everyone should get saved, right? That all should return to him, all should have communication with him, that all should serve him. So I said, okay, God, I pray. God, I pray for every person who's come against us in the DOB. I pray that you radically change their hearts. That they would be, they would have so-called conversions, that they would be on fire for you, and that, Lord, that you would just do a thing in their hearts. I pray that you give them dreams tonight. Lord, I pray you speak to them throughout the day. I turn, I turn. Now, sometimes I think I'm a little like Paul because I could be very sarcastic. So in my head, I'm like, God, yeah, do this. But I'm like, oh my God, what's in for these guys? They don't know. And that kind of brought me a little joy, I have to say. <laughs> now, I had to change my attitude, right? Even if I didn't feel it, I had to press in. And that's what pressing it is. It's doing it despite what we are feeling, right? Praising God despite how we may be feeling. And as we do this, God starts to change our hearts and he starts to change our mind. And he allows us to start to think clearly because when we're in that bitterness, when we're in that anger, when we're even in that frustration, it's very difficult to kind of think clearly, right? We think in the natural. And in my natural, I want to fight. I know, I don't, I'm a hugger, but in the natural, I don't want to fight. But God helps me to change that. He helps me to, to redirect and start to think as he thinks. Will I always know the will of God? No. But are things in the Bible that I know that I can pray? Yes. And I know that God will answer? Yes. Because why? Because they're in the word of God. Now, it all goes back to trusting, right? When I'm in that, that fog, I can't really trust God because I'm trying to figure it out all on my own, right? I'm trying to, to oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'll get a car, this is going to be crazy. They're gonna, everyone's getting fired, everyone's getting fired, okay? But, I had, but when I start to pray, my attitude changes and I start to redirect and I start, okay, God, I trust you. Uh, am I afraid still? Yes, of course, we're human. We're going to be afraid, but we take that step anyway. And God, and I know, God, I, that you can deliver us from this. I know that you can save me. I know that you can rescue me from this. I know that you can fix this, but even if you don't, that has to be my attitude, right? Mm -hmm. I wanna grow through this process. I don't want to waste this time. It's such a unique time, and I don't wanna waste it being bitter and nasty and not seeing God's glory and gifts in this time, okay? I want this process to foster a closer relationship with my Father in heaven. And that's what I want for all of us. Again, I said the building is not the big thing, right? We as individuals go through situations, situations with our kids, families, deaths, we're mourning. Those are all things that we go through. And those things take precedence over a building, right? But we need to learn to walk through the process and learn through that process because then it becomes a wasted time. At least for me, I feel like it becomes wasted time for me if I didn't learn what I needed to learn in this process. Amen. Feel free to turn to somebody and say, I failed. <laughs> I failed the process. Whatever process you're going through right now, we want to help you kind of just put it in perspective. 
Listen, one way that you know God is when He delivers you from the fire. And those are the ones we like. When, when God helps us to avoid the fire. When, when we pray and God changes something. And man, you get to know God in that. You get to know. And a lot of us here, if we can sit around till next year telling all the things that God has done in our lives that we can be grateful for. That, that God has met us before the fire. And, and, and we love it when God rescues us. From the fire, financially, physically, emotionally, relationally. But there's another way that you know God, and sometimes it's a bit more intimate, is when He meets you in the fire. After the boys refused to bow down, the king ordered the fire to be turned up seven times hotter. And he ordered that the strongest soldiers tie them up. And the word says the fire was so hot that the flames from the furnace killed the soldiers that were bringing them to the furnace. And so tied up, they fell into the furnace. And the king was happy. And the, and the, and the astrologers, the haters were probably laughing and smiling. And they said, we killed the Jews. We killed them. We got them. And the king was probably rejoicing. But then the king is looking intently into the fire. Just, I don't know what he's expecting to see, but he doesn't see what he wants to see. He says, wait a minute. He asks, there weren't there three boys that we threw into the fire? And they said, of course, your majesty. There were three. And they probably gave their names and numbers and everything. Yes, it was three. And he says, then why do I see four in the fire? And why does one appear to be like the son of God? And why are they walking around unbound and unharmed in the fire? And he says, call them out. He calls them out. See, they were loosed. Their shackles had been removed. Sometimes God allows the hardest things in our lives to free us. And we get to know God in a way that we could never have known him outside of the fire. The word says when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. <laughs> We're going to come out of this. We're not even going to smell like the stuff that we came went through. Amen. How? This thing will be over one day, you know. This trial will be over. And I'm saying that not just the building, but that thing that you're going through today. It'll be over. It will pass. Maybe this week. Maybe they'll lift the vacate this week. Maybe the relationship will get fixed this week. Maybe you'll get a healing this week. Maybe that marriage will be restored this week. Whatever it is, this thing will end. God always has an expiration date on our trials. But the question is, did we handle it well? And that's the, the question that I brought her and I forced her to come and stand here with me to share with you guys. Did we handle it well? Sometimes we expect a miracle outside of the fire. We thought God would deliver us before this goes too far. But sometimes the miracle is in the fire. Fire refines. When things come out of the fire, impurities are burnt off. 
That's how we get pure gold. It has to go through the fire. And the beautiful thing is that God promised that he'll always be with us. That he'll never let us go through things alone. So I'll say to you, church, God is able to lift the vacate and get us back into the building this week. He's able. But even if he doesn't, we're going to worship him. And even if, even if he doesn't, we're going to celebrate Christmas. And even if he doesn't, we're going to bring in a new year. And even if he doesn't, we're going to keep praising him. And we're going to keep worshiping. And we're going to keep going. God can heal my body. And even if he doesn't, I won't bow down. God can restore my marriage. And even if he doesn't, I'm not going to give up. Amen? Amen. And so after the king brought them out, he praised their God. You got, you got to see this. There are unbelievers around us right now watching us. They're watching how we go through process. They're watching how we go through pain. How we go through funerals. How we go through losing people. How we go through struggles and hard times and financial hardships. They're watching how we handle and through through us, they'll see God. And so the king praised their God. He said, God, be praise be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I want people all around us to say, praise be the God of the, 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 the Riveras. And praise be the God of the Cruises. And praise be the God. Amen? Because they saw us come through and they saw how God met us right where we were. And, and they saw that, that sometimes God doesn't save us before he saves us through. Amen. And the beautiful thing, the other thing that happened when the, what the king did was he promoted them. Somebody got to receive that. There's promotion at the other end of the fire. There's promotion at the other end of what you're going through. Romans 8 ends like this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for you and I. So who shall separate us from this love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we're being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor the present things, nor the D.O.B., nor the things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ. Jesus, our Lord. So I believe God is using Paul. To help us put our process in perspective. And so what we want to say to you today is that you're not alone. 
Whatever you're going through, you're not alone. The church is a potluck. We bring the little strength that we have and we set it at the table next to everyone else's. And together, that little strength is enough for everybody. Amen. Amen? Can we, can we pray? Can we just stand? Worship team, you guys can. Father, we thank you, Lord. Father, we're grateful that we have a beautiful place to be. We're thankful that we're, we're not suffering like some are suffering in countries to meet. We, we have the freedom to come together. We have a, a beautiful place that's heated and AC'd. And, and Father, you've provided for us. We thank you, God, that your hand is not too short. We thank you that everything that we go through, you're right there with us, Lord God. So, Father, forgive us if we've gotten out of perspective with this process. Today we say, God, we rejoice in what you're doing in our lives. We rejoice in what you're doing. We glory even in those light sufferings father we give you the glory and we thank you god that in it and through it you're shaping us you're building us you're growing us right now if we could just maybe if you need prayer would you just kind of lift up your hands and if you're in a process Let's be, let's be the church. If you see somebody around you with the hand lifted up, would you gather? And let's just gather all around this, this school and let's, um, let's leave that legacy here. We don't know if we'll be back next week. Let's leave that legacy here that when people struggle, people gather and pray. Maybe those that are standing here needing prayer will be representatives of the children that will sit in these chairs of the families that they represent, of the families that live all around this, this, this area that need you, that don't have this that we have. Can we just spend a few moments and just kind of encouraging one another and praying for one another? Take that one thing that you have, set it at the table next to your partner, set it at the table next to your friend, Let's be the body of Christ together, amen.
who we choose to follow you, even though we may not see the end of the road. We know that you have seen all, Father. You know the beginning and you know our end, oh God. Father, you formed us with your hands, oh God. So you have already known our destiny, Father, because you have orchestrated that, oh God. The destiny of our lives, the life of this church, oh God. And so, Father, our desire is just to be faithful to you, oh God. Father, in good season, even in the bad season, we've made a commitment to follow you, oh God. And, and so our hearts, Father, you have them right now, oh God. You got us right where you want us, oh God. Father, we're at a place, Father, where we can say, I'm going to stop. Or I'm going to trust you and we're going to move forward, oh God. Father, and not just with the building situation, but in our lives, do we stop? Do we back down? Do we just submit? Do we surrender? Or do I trust you and do I believe that every promise you've given to me is for real, oh God? And you have greater things in store for me. But even if the outcome is not what I wanted, Lord, I would choose to follow and to run even that much more harder to you because it's when I need you, I need you even more, Lord. So, Father, today, oh God, refresh us, oh God. Father, allow us to see the hope that you are, oh God. Allow us to see the process, recognize this process, and just submit to this process, oh God, because your desire is to get the best out of us, oh God. Father, you don't know, you don't, you no longer want just the good, oh God. Because I heard that good can be the enemy of the best, oh God. And you desire the best for us, oh God. So if you desire that, then we want the best, oh God. We want the best that you have to give, oh God. So we commit to you today. We will follow you, oh God. Wherever you lead, we will go. Thank you, Lord. Pray for those that are here. Release them. Let them just walk throughout this week excited about who you are. What a newfound love and commitment for you. God bless you. You are blessed. Now go be a blessing. But before you leave, like we said, we want to honor this school. And we need some help putting some of these chairs away if you can help us.